Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, grant that your word might be spoken here with boldness, heard with attentiveness, and obeyed with readiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. It is a happy morning, isn't it? It's a beautiful morning. Um, and uh, strangely enough, maybe somewhat ironically, on this beautiful morning, I want to tell you about one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, I had just finished my sophomore year of college. Uh, Kristen, my wife, and I were dating at the time. Um, she had been in India on a mission trip and was on a return flight to the uh, small airport in Little Rock. Anyone here been to the Little Rock airport? No, you would have no reason to. Um, the little airport, she wasn't expecting me because I was supposed to be preaching that day. But I had gotten someone to fill in for me, and I was sitting at a restaurant in this small Little Rock airport, constantly scanning the screens for her flight number and arrival time. I had three things with me. I had a single red rose, I had a box with an engagement ring in it, and I had a look of absolute terror on my face. <laughs> um, she did eventually arrive. I sat there for what seemed like an eternity, um, and uh, eventually she got off the plane and I proposed. And if you want the fuller details, you know, I had I practiced my lines. I had plenty of time to practice, so I'll give you the rest of the story another time. But uh, but the thing is, I wasn't really afraid because I thought she would say no. That wasn't really what sparked the fear in me. Um, I wasn't afraid of that. I was just afraid. And I think the reason is because it, I recognized that it was a powerful, life-changing thing that was happening. I recognized that it was something that would send shockwaves through the rest of my life, that would turn my world upside down. My whole world was about to get rearranged. I recognized the gravity of that moment. Fear is not only our response to things that are bad, it is also our response to things that are big. We don't just fear the bad things, we respond in fear to the big things. We've been speaking over these last few weeks about picturing Jesus. We've been contemplating his image as the Gospels present him to us. This last week we've walked with him into Jerusalem, into the upper room, through the garden, to the cross, and now, on the last day of this series, we come to his tomb. In our gospel reading, three women come to his tomb to show respect to his body by anointing it with spices. The sun had just risen, and they were talking amongst themselves, wondering how they were going to get the tomb open. After all, it was a large stone. That's what they expected to find. But when they arrived, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Inside, they see a young man with a white robe on, and he tells them not to be afraid and tells them that Jesus has risen, and tells them to go tell the disciples. But then, they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Initially, that statement is a little bit puzzling, isn't it? This isn't how the other Gospels describe the story. Jesus is raised from the dead, but the women who went out to see him respond in trembling astonishment and are struck silent by fear. You may wonder, as do I, why Mark would end the story here. 
In fact, we know that the women did eventually tell the others what they had seen, so we know there's more to the story. So why would Mark leave that out and end his story here when the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection are struck silent with fear? And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I want to suggest that there's something very natural, actually, in their reaction to the resurrection. In fact, I think they may be closer to understanding the great significance of the resurrection than we are. I think Mark highlights their fear and trembling for a good reason. You see, they recognized that if Christ was risen from the dead, then everything was turned upside down. All of nature, all of creation, the whole order of things has changed. You see, you and I share a secret. In fact, all of us in this room share the same secret. It's a deep secret, a dark secret, a secret that everybody knows but few people acknowledge and few of us talk about. That secret is death. Everything dies. Nothing, no one lives forever. And even though we don't talk about it, even though we try our best not to think about it, it hangs over our heads like a shadow. Sometimes it comes to the surface when we grieve those that we've lost. Other times it's more in the back of our minds. But either way, we can't avoid the truth. Death is universal, inevitable, and final. A rule of nature with no exceptions. At least that's what these women thought. They saw the stone rolled away. They saw burial clothes cast aside. They saw an empty tomb. They expected to see death, and instead they saw death defeated. Their fear, their astonishment, their wonder, their shock was well justified. Death didn't have the last word. Jesus did. And if Jesus is Lord over life and death, then he is Lord over everything. The King of God's kingdom, the author of a new creation. Jesus Christ lives. The women at the empty tomb realized this, and they were terrified. Remember, we don't just fear what's bad. We fear what's big. And what could be bigger than Jesus rising from the dead? But here we are, 2,000 years later, dressed in our Easter Sunday best, and you all look very fine, by the way. Some of us, if we're being honest, probably aren't even sure why we're here. We're just here because going to church on Easter is what you do. It's the done thing. And I'm not judging anyone on that. If you're here, I'm glad you're here. Even if you don't know why you're here, I'm glad you are. Some of us know that we're here to celebrate Jesus' resurrection, but the thought of his resurrection has become so familiar to us, so domesticated, so commonplace, that we've lost sight of what a radical thing it is to say that our Savior rose from the dead. To say that Jesus lives. I believe that if we really understood what we were doing here, if we truly believed what we read today, this would not just be a hallmark holiday. This would not be an empty ritual. This would not be a modest celebration. This would be everything to us. Everything. You see, the whole of our faith comes down to this very simple question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? 
We've got one answer on the table. <laughs> Did he really, actually, historically, physically rise from the dead? If he didn't, we are pitiably misguided. The Apostle Paul talks about this, plays this thought exercise out in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. He says, if Christ has been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Christ didn't rise, but he did. We believe that he did. We confess it each Sunday in the creed. Perhaps the most convincing proof to us is the blood of the martyrs. The early church bore witness to the resurrection of Christ with their very lives. Ten of the twelve disciples gave their lives professing to believe this truth. They were willing to die because they believed Christ lived. And saints throughout the ages have borne witness the same. From eyewitnesses, this fact, this astonishing fact, this incredible fact has been passed down to us. Jesus Christ lives. If we understood this fact, we would feel the same shock that those women felt. The same wonder. The same astonishment. The same awe. We would recognize the great gravity and unspeakable joy of this day. We would celebrate with passion and fervor. We would sing these hymns through our masks at the top of our lungs. We would fellowship with smiles and laughter as we break bread together. We would be shaken to our core with gratitude and joy. We would not fear death. We would not grieve without hope. We would set our minds, as Paul says, on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Jesus Christ lives. I want you to know that. I want you to hear it loudly and clearly, and I want you to allow it to sink in. He lives. He's here to forgive us our sins. He's here to unite us to himself through baptism. He's here to feed us with his body and blood. He's here to form us into members of his body. Jesus Christ lives. That is good, good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.